Welcome to this Mother Looking Life podcast with me, your host, Dion Buckingham-Brown, a midlife mama enjoying life as a business owner, investor and entrepreneur, here to help other midlife mums create the life they want on their terms. We'll be talking mindset, marketing and money-making skills, so wherever you're at in your midlife journey, we've got your back. So what are you waiting for? Let the Mother Looking podcast begin. So welcome to this Mother Looking Life podcast for women in their midlife who want to do better, have more and just live their best life. So today we have got uh, Chef Nikisha. She empowers people through positivity, love and great food. Daughter of Jamaican parents who provided her with a deep cultural heritage and vibrant island traditions that inspired the creation of her debut cookbook from My Mother's Kitchen, um, which is a Jamaican cookbook full of all of her favourite recipes that inspired her through life. So she's passionate about preserving her authentic Jamaican heritage through the rich tastes and flavours of Jamaica, a legacy she hopes to pass on to her own children. So she's also, Chef Nikisha, he's also a featured chef on Good Morning Washington and has appeared on Great Day Washington, where she shares her love for family, food and fun. She has a passion for planning and coordinating corporate and social engagements, which led to her starting her own event planning company in 2008. In January 2020, Chef Nikisha took a huge leap of faith. I know you're very faithful, Chef Nikisha, Nikisha uh, and launched into full-time ministry and entrepreneurship to include rebranding her business to Royal Aki LLC, a Jamaican catering company that creates food that inspires. Prior to owning her own company, uh, Nikisha was an active member of the USA Air Force, uh, following her military service, she worked as an executive assistant to the chief financial officer of the Department of Homeland Security and as a special assistant with US Customs and Border Protection. Her career with the Air Force also afforded her the opportunity to experience the unique cultures of Japan, Uzbekistan and Turkey. So Nikisha serves as worship presider of the third Sunday worship service at Central Union Mission in Washington. Um, DC where she and her family enjoy volunteering. Uh, she resides in Washington DC with her three beautiful sh- uh, children. I want to welcome today's show Nikisha Rowe. Thank, <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us Nikisha. So um, yeah you know we, obviously I'm in the UK you're in the USA so I appreciate the time difference so um, yeah just really want to welcome you onto the show today. So I guess first question is Tell me a little bit more beyond that introduction about yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you so much, Dion, for having me. This is so exciting, just how we can connect virtually across the globe. So thank you. I really do appreciate it. Um, So just a little bit about me. Um, I am very relaxed and I, I think the bio does me way too much justice, but Um, very relaxed, laid back, and a woman that is pursuing her dreams with intentionality um, and with radical obedience is the way I'd like to say it. Um, You know, for many years, over 20 years, I was with um, between the Air Force and the federal government. And even though I loved the opportunities and the positions, there was still something missing. And I'm at that point of life. I literally just hit 40 last year. So I'm part of the 40s club now. Hey. <laughs> I'm nearly out of you the 40s know, club. 
Yeah, I feel like it was like preparing me to for that crossover season of life. And that's where I am now. So I'm unapologetically walking in my purpose, walking in my calling. And um, I'm just really great to, you know, be on platforms like this to empower women to do the very same that we're launching out to do on a daily basis. So all the praise. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, brilliant. No, so like so glad to hear that because there's so many people, women especially, that you know hit a certain point in life and we just kind of end up wandering and yeah. without any real purpose and focus. So I think it's great that you recognize that you know you are where you are without emphasizing too much on your age, but recognizing actually I've got so much to offer to the world. Um, and to other people like me who perhaps want to advance or, you know, just want to be better. So no, that's that's fantastic. So tell me about um, tell me about the Air Force then. Tell yeah. me about your career there. Over twenty years, you say. Yeah. So between the actually, I was in the Air Force for five years, and then with the federal government for fifteen. So a total of twenty years of federal service. So I joined the Air Force about eighteen years old. So I was very young. Yeah. I did a year of college, then hopped out out there to join the Air Force. But when I tell you, it was one of the most rewarding experiences of life, because at that very young and tender age, as you're you know still trying to figure things out, you're given a heavy load of responsibility and training. So I, I, I thank the Air Force for helping me to build that, um, that uh, adaptability within my business. I, I definitely believe that that came from there. Also, just the ability to be able to manage crisis. Yeah. At 18 years old, I was working um, on the airfield, airfield management. So we were in charge of all of the airport construction projects. We were in charge of making sure that the pilots could take off and land safely by filling out their flight plans. And you're talking about million, multi, multi-million dollar equipment that an 18-year-old is in charge of. Like some nights I'd be working by myself, you know? or with a, one other trainee or one other person. So I believe that was the foundation to really help set me up for business long-term. And I didn't know that at the time, of course, I didn't even think I was going to be a chef. Like this is, and we'll get to that part of the story, but <laughs> I mean, I had no clue that this is where I would be right now is cooking and cooking with passion. But um, I definitely believe that that was the foundational tools to set me up to where I am today. And I'm so grateful for it. That's amazing because I joined the UK police force age 19 and um, I saw my first dead body, you know, like, yeah, 19 years old. And you, you yes. don't realise actually, you know, you, you, you're put into these situations of responsibility and you're dealing with matters really you'd never expect to deal with anyway. You know, murders. I think my first murder I attended when I was 20 and um you know, you just don't recognise actually the resilience that you build up over the years. I spent 22 years in the force, um, how it can serve you in later life and how it can help you manage, you know, crises, as you've mentioned. So, yeah, it's really good standing. So tell me a little bit about the demographics of the Air Force. Then, how did you find yourself as an 18 year old, you know, African-American young woman um, in that kind of environment? What was it like for you? You know, honestly, um, that's a very good question. I can't really say that I had many challenges in that area. And maybe I was so young and naive at that time. 
because growing up, I feel like I, I kind of lived in a bubble. You know, you're in the Washington, D.C. region. It's very multicultural. The schools I went to were multicultural. Um, so even though I knew that racism existed, even though I knew, you know, all of these different isms existed, I feel like I kind of grew up in a bubble. And it's not until I got much, much older that I started truly seeing the effects and, and how, you know, um, alive, it was still thriving. So during my Air Force career, honestly, um, I did not have any real big issues in those types of areas as far as color or gender or, um, you know, anything of that nature. I got in there, I learned my job, I worked well with others, built long time, you know, friendships and relationships. And to God be the glory, I excelled in, in my ranking quite quickly and things of that nature. So um, it wasn't until I got into my 30s and started to buy a house and move into new neighborhoods and things like that, that I started to see, you know, um, that a lot of the stuff that we thought no longer existed was still alive and well, I'll say, I'll say right. that one. Okay. Well, that's fair enough. So I didn't experience any racism, really. Maybe yeah. just a lot the odd thing but directed to me yeah um within the police force it was predominantly white middle-aged men that i work with and i kind of understand the way that they operate but there wasn't a lot that i saw certainly not the two instances for sure that i that i that stand out in my mind that affected me directly um yeah i do you know so i I grew up in probably the same bubble as you. I didn't really encounter yeah. much of that. A lot of what I've seen and heard over the you know preceding years have, or succeeding years have, uh, yeah, I've just been, I've been on the news or other people's experiences more than more so than my own. So yeah, yeah for sure, you know, like you, it's it's helped me being in that world to navigate this world, which, which I'm very very grateful for. Yeah, so absolutely. how did you, so tell me about your transition from Air Force, um, the next phase that you spent 15 years in to business ownership, entrepreneurship. Tell me about that. Yes, absolutely. So while I was in the Air Force, um, I was deployed to Uzbekistan, did some time in Turkey, lived in Japan, and got the globe, the true global experience within that five-year period. But as I started to have children, I noticed that, hey, these deployments are kind of taking me away from my kids for a long period of time. And it started really like, you know, um, it started making me feel almost like I needed to be there more for my children, to be quite honest with you. And I was married at the time. I got married super, super young. I was married at 19 years old, married for 12 years, what have you. But I really wanted to be there to raise my children because my first deployment actually took place when my oldest, Vanessa, who's 20 now, um, she was only three months when I had to leave her to go to Uzbekistan. Um, and I didn't want that to happen to the next and to the next. So I, I made the decision that it was time for me to transition. And when I made the transition, honestly, Dion, I did not have a big grand plan. It was just a knowing within my spirit yeah. that it's time to go. It was like my grace period is up. And it was the very same transition I experienced when I was in the federal government. You know, there was a knowing within me that my time is getting short here. And I didn't know the exact date, the time, or even the plan, to be quite honest with you. 
But I do believe that God is so strategic how he lines up our lives, even when we don't even understand he's working behind the Mm -hmm. scenes. Because what started to happen was, you know, I would start typing up these little fake resignation letters at work and save it to my desktop saying that I was going to be a full-time entrepreneur, no real plan at all. Um, And then in 2012, I went through a divorce and it was a life-altering situation and I literally was asking God, like, what do I do next? Like, what's next? I, I don't know. You know, I don't even really want to be here anymore. The kids will be good. It got to that place where I didn't even want to wake up in the mornings. And I thank God that he did not listen to me. He woke me up every morning and still made sure I was good. But he literally told me that it is food that brought your family to the dinner table. And from that one word is what birthed my Jamaican cookbook from my mother's kitchen And then from there, all these catering opportunities started to come. So I went out, started getting certified. I found all these um, amazing, you know, global and local chefs to sit under to learn the industry, which was very new to me. Um, I've been cooking since eight years old, but not professionally. I was cooking with my great grandma and things like that. So it was literally um, just a a, a very... um, How could I say this? The transition was so unplanned and unexpected, but it was always working behind the scenes. So um, in 2019, I started feeling that feeling again, like it's Nikisha, it's really time to go now. So I took the leap of faith and I typed up that resignation letter. I started making those succession plans at work to transition my my duties over to somebody else. And I turned in my letter and on January 15th, of 2020 was my very last day um, working with the federal government. And um, I took the leap of faith and launched full time into Royal Aki. And uh, that's where I am today. That's amazing because January 2020, we all know that was the beginning of uh, (laughs) something, something going on there. (laughs) So how are you feeling then in the run up to your resignation? knowing what was going on with the world and the pandemic, thinking, actually, I'm still going to go down this route rather than actually, can I withdraw my resignation letter and continue <laughs> working, which many people would have done because, you know, it's a secure uh, job. Like, So how are you feeling in those final days? And you know what's so interesting, um, Dion, is the whole pandemic didn't really hit the U.S. until March of 2020. We were hearing about it. We were, you know, um, seeing the different effects of it. But I think there was a um, an ignorance thinking, oh, okay, it's overseas. It's not coming here. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until uh, March of 2020 that everything shut down. And I'm so grateful that I did not see the true you know, um, implications of COVID-19 in January, because fear probably would have taken over me. And I probably would have said, okay, let me push this out another three months. I'm going to stick around for a few more days and then a few more days and then never truly walk into what I'm called to do. So I'm thankful for that moment of blindness, if you want to say, um, so yeah, I launched out January of 2020 and I have absolutely, you know, no regrets, um, I'm so grateful that I did when I did, because yeah. I probably would have halted the process. 
that's just amazing, you know, because I mean, like like the US, the, the UK, we I think we went into lockdown 24th of March, there or thereabouts, and we had all these murmurings and mutterings around, you know, this, this flu. I mean, I went away in February to Spain and everybody was walking around back, because I don't really watch the news. I don't get involved in any of that because it's just negativity, right? And um, I just tend to watch highlights. And I saw this flu <laughs> to the airport to go to Spain and everyone was walking around with masks and thinking, what's going on? And it, like when we went to Spain, there were, you know, just a few shops open. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, you know, it's just out of season, holiday season. Everybody's gone back to the usual way of life, work, business, etc. And then when we got back and um, I, I started to feel a bit, whew, a bit under the weather. <laughs> And then we went into yeah. lockdown in March and it was just crazy. So how, how did you manage during that time then? So you're two months into your business. Mm -hmm. What was life like for Nikisha and Royal Aki uh, up until and then through uh, up until March 2020 and then beyond to where we are today? What was what's you know, what was life like for you? Yeah, I'd have to go back to that adaptability that was my foundation. So Dion, when I tell you on March 9th, the emails started to roll in, this contract is canceled, we have to postpone this, we have to, so everything I thought that was in place to sustain me, my children, my business, my future, it was literally shut down on March 9th of 2020. So I went into crisis mode. Um, and you know, honestly, this is not something I like to admit, but I do believe that I'm built for crisis mm. because that's when my creativity flows to a new dimension. It doesn't feel good in the moment. It feels horrible, yeah. <laughs> but I feel like I'm most creative when there, when there are crises. Yeah. Um, so I literally started building my online presence a little bit more. I literally in one night built a revamped my website to offer, you know, online offerings. I also thought about how could I help different families with the burden that they're feeling of loved ones being sick, of staying in the house, you know, not really wanting to cook, but be able to give back time to their families, whether it's playing video games during this lockdown or just spending quality time with the family. So from there, I um, created a COVID safe um, food delivery service Whereas though people could go on my website, they could order, um, you know, dinners for their families and it would be delivered to their doorsteps and no one had to touch anything. No one had to see anybody. And not only that, but with these dinner deliveries, it was filled with inspiration. So I feel like it was a way of really inspiring people through food, which is our motto here at Royal Aki as well. Um, so we did that as well. And then I also had like some online um products people could buy. We had these amazing gold Royal Athy spoons and aprons. Um, we were also doing uh, virtual cooking demos. Um, so you could literally log on to a Zoom and learn how to cook your favorite dish for a small fee. Um, so yeah, we just literally had to expand and expand quickly to different, different streams yeah. to keep things, um, you know, up and running. Wow. And, you know, so two things, two key takeaways there from me, your adaptability and your um, ability to kind of excel through crisis. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that's come from your experience in the Air Force? 
I do. I would say my experience in the Air Force and then also strong Jamaican heritage. It's in our blood. We're survivors. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, and we're creatives too. So I definitely believe it was definitely um, a little bit of both, you know, just, just my upbringing with Jamaican parents and, you know, my um, experience in the U.S. Air Force and, and things of that nature. God was already preparing the tools yeah, along the yeah. way. That's amazing. And the second takeaway from that, when you're talking about, you know, the things that you kind of put in place, there's a lady, I don't know if you've heard of her, called Alison Armstrong. She's an author who has studied men and their behaviours for probably 20 years now. And she wrote a book, oh, I'm not quite sure how long, maybe five years ago, called Understanding Women. And she talks about the differences between men and women. Uh, men are very, typically, very um, single-focused. So they yes. can generally just focus on one thing at a time, you know, and they, they're coming from work and they don't want to hear all the noise. They just mm -hmm. want to crack on, come in, settle down, and then they're kind of engaged. Whereas women, we tend to have what she calls diffuse awareness, diffuse, diffused awareness, we'd say in, in England, but diffuse awareness, mm -hmm. whereby we're able to kind of go and do a little bit here, a little bit there. So that works, it helps us so much in times of crisis because we're able to kind of manage things um, in a diffused way more so than men so if you haven't uh, read about her or listened to any of her things already I probably highly recommend you listen to her Alison, Arms, Alison Armstrong um, yes yeah, so that's probably a little bit of insight into why you manage so well in crisis so I'd be proud of that rather than thinking oh actually I'd maybe not it's not such a good thing it's in our makeup <laughs> It's in our, it's there, we're meant for it. Okay, so so why, um, how, how, you're very faithful, obviously everything that you do now, I know we'll go into the ministry later, but even before you went full-time into the ministry, did you have that faith that things would always work out for you? Because the things that you're, you know, that I've picked up on that, you used to write yourself these little notes, these fake resignation letters mm -hmm. on your laptop. That's kind of what, you know, the law of attraction kind of thing. You know, your mm -hmm. journal and it'll come to you if you take inspired action. Do you think that's had a big play in where you're at and where you're, you were thinking? Or is it just inspiration? That's what you felt um, just inspired to do. Yeah, so... I would definitely say my faith journey has definitely been a journey. Um, and I believe that as we grow, we start to um, go into different levels of discovery. So um, for me personally, I am a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's my savior. That's my foundation. That's my rock. That's my belief, right? Um, but even as a child growing up, I did not like come from a, um, a faith believing, you know, background or what have you, but there was always a knowing, there was always some sense of knowing growing up. So, um, as I started going through various life challenges and God started to reveal, you know, who he was and, and things of that, it started to actually build my faith. And I started to have more trust in him than in my own personal abilities. Because I believe that, you know, when you have that relationship 
God is going to talk to you and then you're going to be able to move and flow and sync with his will. So even though I didn't know the plan behind the resignation letter, there was a deep knowing that hadn't fully surfaced yet that it's it's time to get ready to go. So yeah, you're playing around <laughs> typing this, but you're going to actually need this in a few months or a year down the road, whether you understand it or not. And um, I'm at a place now where I put all of my trust, all of my reliance in the Lord, because he's already shown me his ability. He's already shown me that even when there's crisis in the world, he'll still take care of me and my children and my family and my business. And we can still thrive no matter what's going on out there. So I believe that every single life experience actually helps to build your faith if you use it in the right way. Even my divorce, at that point, I thought I was gonna die. I wanted to die. I felt like I didn't have a purpose and I did not wanna be here on this earth anymore. But even through that, it, it, it took me to a place where I was like literally at rock bottom, where I literally surrendered. That was where my like biggest surrender came from. And then the scale started to fall off my eyes and I started seeing things a little deeper than what most people see on the surface. So that was like my first awakening. And then there was another one and another one. And as we grow, we continue to awaken. None of us ever arrives anywhere, no. but God continues to show himself and, and take us to a different level of discovery. Oh. And um, I'm grateful for that. So my faith has been built over the years. Um, but even you know, from being a young child, there was always a sense of knowing, there was a knowing. Yeah, no, that's excellent. Uh, you know, I, I understand what it's like to be at rock bottom, having been there myself and, you know, peeling away the, the old layers to create a new you, essentially, to kind of build yourself back up. So well done to you, girl, because, boy, you're here. It's amazing, amazing. <laughs> We're here. We're here. <laughs> so, okay, let's back to business. Um, how? So tell me about your first steps because when you have no plan, I had no plan when I quit my um, job. Uh, what were the first maybe three or four things that you did to start building Royal Aki? Yeah. So the very first steps that I took was partnering with people that are already in the industry and have a track record of success. You know, so um, I partnered with this um, lady. Her name is Chef Jamie G absolutely amazing. She's been on Food Network. She's so connected in the industry, has all this years of experience. So she literally took me under her wings because remember, my cooking experience came from my great grandma, which the food is delicious. But of course, we want to learn how to do plating. We want to learn how to do that global presentation that will cross over to all different nationalities and sectors. So a lot of times, even, you know, I'm cooking Jamaican food, I'll incorporate other cuisines and things in there. So she taught me how to really globalize the brand. Um, so the first step is connecting with people that's already in the industry. Number two, we have these a million dollar computers in our hands. They're not really a million dollars, but they're expensive, right? Yeah. <laughs> We've got these phones in our hands. Use it. 
you know, log on to Netflix and, and watch a movie about the food industry and watch, you know, these different challenges and baker challenges and food challenges, you know, use that phone to um, build your online presence was the other thing I did. Start reading more about the industry, start attending conferences that is related to your, you know, your industry. So there are so many different ways that we can tap into where we're going you know, pretty quickly. It's right here in our hands. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So which were your preferred social media channels to start building your your presence online? Yeah, so um, right now I use Instagram quite a bit and then my website. So oh, Instagram, okay. my website, and then I do have a Facebook, but, um, but it was connected to the book um, from my mother's kitchen. Um, so I have that as well. But yeah, using the different social media cha um, channels, um, also your, you know, your website, um, and even YouTube too, doing cooking shows on YouTube and, and things of that nature. So yeah, it, it's out there. The, the tools are available to us all. It's just a matter of tapping into them. Yeah, for sure. So what do you think, um, stops us or stops people from tapping into those tools? Where, where do you, why do you think we haven't got many more female midlife, um, entrepreneurs, going on? I think honestly, the biggest roadblock, not even roadblock, but the biggest hump is getting over that fear. I think a lot of people get stuck at that fear hump and, 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 and not necessarily know how to jump over it. Um, you know, we all experience fear. We all experience something coming at us saying, what if it doesn't work out? Yeah. Girl, you're going to leave that good job with that money. You got three <laughs> kids and you're a single mom. Yeah. How are you going to pay your mortgage? Like, you know, all that negative talk, you have to counteract it with what God said, with the vision, with the plan, with your life purpose. And I think once you can get over that hurdle of fear and not even get over it, do it still, even if you're afraid, mm -hmm. find people that can encourage you through the process, even if you are fearing feeling fearful because it's an emotion that we all experience. But I believe those that hop over it, those that walk through it will see the manifestation of their destiny come to fruition. Yeah. Um, so I feel like podcasts like this is what women need as they're crossing over, crossing over to that midlife stage, walking in their full purpose and their destiny. Yeah, absolutely. So what were your biggest challenges? What what have been your biggest challenges since crossing over and, you know, entering the world of entrepreneurship? I think we've already covered a little bit of that, but, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I would say my biggest challenge would have to be um, trying to juggle all the balls and, and understanding you know, um, where my weaknesses are and tapping into other services to help with those weaknesses. Mm -hmm. You don't have to know it all. Mm -hmm. Like I am not an accountant. Okay. I know how to manage my money. However, I need an accountant to help me with these books. Cause mm -hmm. I don't truly under, that's not my strongest suit. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I need help with this admin support here. I'm not a graphic designer. I could do a little bit of things here and there, but I'm not going to spend 20 hours trying to figure out how to do a flyer when that's someone else's expertise. So being able to outsource, I think is so important too. And yes, you will have to pay for people's services, 
but don't look at it as, you know, a waste of money. You're actually investing in yourself. So outsourcing is definitely a really, really big one for me where I don't understand how to do certain things. Yeah, for sure. And have you faced any challenges around outsourcing to the right people? Mm, That's a good question. Let me think. Have I had any shady outsourcing? (laughs) (laughs) Wow, let me get you my list. (laughs) Yeah, let me check my list here. Um, No, I think I've actually been pretty good. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So, so far, good. so good. Excellent. So what, what have been your biggest successes then? Biggest successes, wow. And you know what? I would say, Dion, everybody's gauge of success is going to be different, right? Mm-hmm. So I would say my biggest success right now is being able to be here with my children and manage my own time, my own schedule, my own priorities, you know, um, I have two children in college. And when I tell you, you know, just the back and forth, one's in California, which she's home now for the break, and one's in Virginia. So ensuring that they're getting back and forth to school, flying this one here, driving this one there, that is the greatest piece for me. Like, I feel like that is success. I can't connect my success to a dollar amount, which of course we all, you know, are grateful for the tool and the resource of money. But my greatest success right now is being there for my children and showing them that you don't have to be tied to the bondage of a nine to five. Yes, a nine to five is good for a time. And yes, it's good for some people for their lifetime, but that's not going to be our story because I got to a place in my life where I'm like, we're all on a hamster wheel. Like you work this job for 30 years, you get a retirement check, you get a watch, and then the next generation has to start it over again. That doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense. And I feel like we have to be in a position to break that generational curse. Like we are to eat the good of the land. We are to be like prosperous in this land. We should not be sitting here every day on a hamster wheel working as a robot. And I felt like my life became robotic. I was literally walking this earth like a zombie. I knew how to do my job. I knew how to do my job well, but I was just like this on a hamster wheel. And I couldn't pass down that hamster wheel to my children. Right. So my greatest success right now is freedom. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's so good to hear because I think, as you say, a lot of people tie success to the money, but like you, for me, it's about doing what I want, when I want, with who I want, however I want to do it. And having the time with my children now that I didn't have before, you know, 80, 90, 100 hours a week as a lone parent managing two young children. It's just no, it's no joke. Yeah. And I think now, how old are your children? 20, did you say? 21? Yeah. So my oldest is 20. She'll actually be 20 in February. So okay. let me... Let me... She's got another month to go, but she'll be 20 in February. And then my middle child is 18. And then I have a 12 year old. Right. Okay. So you're coming to the point, it's like me, that you're getting, even though you're doing that sort of shuffling around, you're getting a little bit more time to step into who Nikisha is. Yes. How does that feel? It feels so liberating. It feels so amazing. Like when you're walking in your purpose, when you're walking in something you're passionately 
you know, um, you're passionate about, it doesn't feel like work anymore. Like I was talking to my best friend the other day. I could be up till three o'clock in the morning working on a project or working on a plan and it not feel like work. Mm. You know, my nine to five, you asked me to stay till three <laughs> o'clock in the morning to do something. I probably would have been like, oh my God, I can't take this anymore. But it doesn't feel like work when you're doing what you truly enjoy doing. And that is freedom for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you have a moment when you realized that you had this freedom, this more freedom? Because for me, like my, my eldest is 22, youngest is 15. She'll be 16 in August this year. And for me, it wasn't only two or three months ago that I suddenly, I went away on a, like a three day, three night training. And um, I was like, I don't have to worry about the school run. I don't have to worry about cooking dinners. I don't have, and it was, to be honest, it freaked me out a little bit that I did have this time because I was, you know, I was a child carer for my, for, for my mum from the age of 12, my, my siblings as well. And, and then went into, I got married young at 24 and had the first child, but I joined the police at 19, your very adult career. And so all the time I was tied to somebody or something that was outside of really who I was. So I didn't really, I don't think, get an opportunity to, opportunity to understand who Dion was. Who is Dion? And it wasn't until I think October, November, as I say, that um, I, I realised I had this time. I realised actually... I can really do what I want to do without all of this extraneous responsibility. Not to say that I'm not responsible, but it's not so glaringly obvious and attached to you by a you know timetable for cooking dinner or school runs. Yeah. How, did you did you have a moment where you s suddenly realised this for yourself? Mm, that's a very good question. Um, I believe that. One of my freedom moments where I became like I became more aware that I was free was when um, my just recently my sister and my mom, you know, asked me to come to Jamaica with them. Mm -hmm. uh, my sister does a annual give back event in Jamaica, and we usually go every single year. But usually when I go, I have to ask for time off. I have to plan with my boss. I have to get someone to back me up and do all these different things. But girl, I booked that ticket. I didn't have to ask nobody no questions. Like, <laughs> I booked the ticket and I got on the plane and I went and it was freeing. It was freeing. You know, I still brought my computer with me, you know, to do things, you know, yeah. for Royal Athe because that's my heart and that's yeah. my passion. But I was not tied to a desk or tied to anybody else's expectations. And I think that was probably one of the biggest freeing moments yeah. most recently. It's just being able to get up and go when you want to. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's yeah, it's just so amazing. Like we've just come back from New York, and um, when the youngest was like, "Yeah, I'm going off to Times Square on my own," <laughs> I was like, "Okay." You know, the kids had their own hotel room, and it just like weird. I mean, New York was so—I've never been before. It's huge. It's like twenty yeah. times the size of London. You know, just everything's so big and bright and bold. And the kids are like, yeah, we're going, you know, I didn't see the oldest one for all but two days, you know, of the week that we were there. And it was just the weirdest thing, the weirdest experience. I loved it. Just strange, strange, strange having all this time um, to really kind of step into Dion's world and Dion's mm -hmm. mind and what Dion really wants outside of everything. Yeah, it's weird. 
Yeah. And it's so beautiful too, though, you know, because your children are seeing you walk into this level of independence and I feel like it empowers them as well to step into their dreams. Yeah, for so, sure. It's exciting. It is. So what do you do now? Obviously you've got this time and perhaps you, you were doing this before you had these freedom moments. What do you do to take care of yourself? Say self-care for, for Nikisha. Yeah. So one thing I do not play with, and this is even when I had my nine to five. Okay. Like I do not play with self-care because I know what it feels like to suffer alone. I know what it feels like to not want to wake up in the mornings and I don't ever want to get back to that place again. So, um, for self-care for me, um, I love the garden. I love the beach. I love nature. I love being outside and just just sitting just in the presence of the Lord and hearing the birds chirp and the water. And that's self-care for me. You know, um, I love to travel as well. Um, and, you know, any women on here that may have gone through a divorce, let me tell you one thing I did to help me through that journey with self-care. I, back in the day, I never would travel by myself. I was always, I always had to have friends and people next to me and everybody here with me. But when I went through that life challenging moment for self-care, I booked a plane ticket to California by myself. Wow. I sat out on the beach. I spent time alone. I journaled. I went to a county fair by myself, walked around. I sat and had dinner by myself. Like back in the day, I would never do something like that. <laughs> but now it's now it's now it's become a practice of my life from that life altering experience. So self-care, get to know yourself, be okay with being with yourself. Because if we can't be by ourselves and enjoy our own company, we can't expect anybody else to come into our lives and enjoy our company as well. So So true. I love time by myself. And I think people kind of can't get it how much I really love time by myself. And, you know, Mm -hmm. one of the caveats for me getting with uh, my my fiance was fine. We can live together as long as, you know, we have weekends away apart from each other. So I can just do my own thing and you can do your own thing. I think it's really Mm -hmm. healthy um, to be able to sit in your own space, your own mental space, really, and just enjoy everything on an individual basis. So good for you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And same for you too. Uh, Yeah, it's so important. It is. so important. We can lose ourselves in the in the um, in the outside world and the stresses and the strains and the responsibilities and the works and the worrying about money. We can lose ourselves in all of that. With you know, we we we've, we have to be and live with ourselves outside of all of that. So you've got to take care of it. You've got to take yeah. care of it. Definitely. So as we wrap up the interview. Um, I have many songs that influenced me throughout my life. I'm a very musical person. Um, I listen to all genres. And uh, one of the songs for me, especially when I was going through a super, super difficult time, was uh, Labby Sifri's Something Inside So Strong. Mm-hmm. Um, it just kind of, I don't know, it just spoke to my soul and it helped me to pick myself up from a place that I didn't think I'd be able to get out of. And just listening to that song over and over and over again really lifted my spirits. What songs have influenced you in your life? Maybe through good times, through bad times? 
Go on, what have you, what have you got? <laughs> yes, so I would say uh, my forever song is Whitney Houston's Step by Step um, because none of us know the full journey or the full plan of life. But if you can just continue to take that step, even when you're experiencing a challenge, even when you are filled with, you know, uncertainty around you, if you can continue just to take that step by step and do it day by day, um, that has been um, one of my favorite songs. And, and the beat is so uplifting, too. So it starts to resonate with your spirit and you can't yeah. help but to take another step. You can't help but to go another step. You're all jigging and jumping there, Nikisha. I don't know this song, so I'm going to have to put you on the spot. So I know you're a little bit of a singer, you are. Like, oh, my goodness. Have you ever got a little tune? <laughs> Untune. And it's going to be the same tune throughout the whole entire song. Cool. But it goes step by step. Day by day, mile by mile, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you got to listen to the next. <laughs> well, I haven't. I'm going to. I'm going to check that one out. I don't know it. So um, no, thank you very much for that. I've loved spending time with you here, Nikisha, and um, hearing a bit more about your backstory and where you are in business today. So please let us know where we can find you on social, how we can contact you, how we can order from you. Um, yeah, what are your social handles and how can we get in contact to learn more about the King Road? Yes, so first of all, Dion, this has been so much fun and so exciting to spend this time with you today. You. Um, please stay connected. You can reach me on Instagram. Um, it's at Royal Aki. So it's Royal and then Aki is A-C-K-E-E. -E. Mm -hmm. You can also um, stay connected to us through our website, um, which is uh, www.royalaki.com, which mm -hmm. we send out newsletters. We send out where we're going to be, um, different pop-up experiences and what's happening with Royal Aki as we in, you know, continue to evolve um, during these times. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I believe that 2022 is going to be a great and powerful year for all of us. We're still trying to figure out all the details, but it's about to be so great and so powerful if you just get over that hump of fear. Yes, absolutely. So I'll put all the links to your socials and your website in the show notes and on social. Um, but Nikisha, thank you so, so, so much for this amazing interview. It's been great learning so much from you and about you um, and I know that our audience are going to just love hearing about you as well and of course they're going to love tasting your food. I've tried some of your recipes of course from my mother's kitchen and um, yeah for anybody that wants to get in contact with Nikisha don't forget to uh, contact her and connect with her on Instagram and via her website. Look for today. Thank you very much Nikisha. This is...